Hi, and welcome back. This is Talk Rehab, and I'm Bill Nolting. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Quantum Rehab, one of my favorite companies, Go Stretto. We'll hear from Quantum's Jay Brislin a little later in the episode. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Karen Roy, brand ambassador for New Motion, author, advocate, 2019 Ms. Wheelchair America. Get online and look her up. There's a lot of stuff. You'll be inspired just as I was. Karen has agreed to talk with me today and help explore the relationship between wheelchair users and their wheelchairs. Here's Karen. Um, my name is Karen Roy. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was shot in an armed robbery when I was 19, so the beginning of my yeah my um, college career uh, in 1987. My boyfriend was a guitar player. We'd gone to a football game, and then he went to play music at this blues place that I had never been to before. And we, um, he played music. We left. My car had been broken into. And then when we were trying to get deal with the broken glass, two kids with guns came up from behind us. Someone hit me over the head with the gun. Someone put a gun to my boyfriend's head. After he hit me over the head with the gun, he took my purse with my $2 in it and then point blank shot me in the back right at about the T10 level. It went in, the bullet went in uh, at an angle, punctured my lung. The swelling caused uh, the, severed the spinal cord at the T10 level. So um, I obviously um, almost bled to death, made it to the ICU, got the chest tube and then went to rehab at Methodist Rehab in Jackson, Mississippi. I got my first wheelchair there. And I also found out about a lot of other technologies that I was really interested in. Um, So any kind of standing technology um, I, I utilize from very early on and then also functional electrical stimulation bike. I've always had a, one or another form of that technology and tried to use it like three times a week for the last 33 years. I went back to LSU, did you know my uh, rehab on the off days, my outpatient physical therapy, finished a degree in psychology, and then I got a master's in social work. I worked in hospitals for most of that time, and then ended up spending the majority of my medical social work career um, as a licensed clinical social worker doing uh, rehab. So I was helping other people through that process of possibly getting their first wheelchair and, um, and learning how to live with a spinal cord injury or whatever disease process was going on with them. I did that for off and on for 20 years. I got married, had three kids um, that are now 26 23 and 20. For the last five years, I've worked for New Motion, um, first in a sales role on the CRT side. I did a year of medical supply sales, and I've also done a lot of advocacy throughout my career, and that led me to, to do Miss um, Wheelchair Louisiana. I was Miss Wheelchair Louisiana 2018, which is completely an advocacy-based competition, and then I won Miss Wheelchair America 2019, and my platform was all about the use of technology trying to get those items covered to improve health and wellness for people with disabilities. And I'm now the brand ambassador for New Motion. So I, I write disability-related uh, blogs and content um, and then do some government relations things for them as well. Have you told that story a thousand times? Yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a few. That's wild. That's quite a story. Yeah, right. I know. I know. Yeah. Are you an ATP? Did you ever want to do that? Um, I am not an ATP, so I'm, I'm still just a licensed clinical social worker. Um, but when I was um, when I started working for New Motion, I guess being a case manager and being on the flip side of that, I knew a lot about the process, the documentation that was required. I knew a lot about what they did to configure manual chairs. 
working for Numotion, learned more about power wheelchairs. And but I did a lot of education for doctors and therapists for a couple of years at the beginning. So I'm not an ATP, but I know a good bit. Thanks. That's a great introduction. And like you say, I bet you've told that a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Wheelchair America. I mean, even before then, but, um, you know, I, I did, I was in 25 states, 43 cities, and I did like 80 speaking appearances in 11 months that year. Well, that sounds pretty busy. What kind of chair do you have right now? A Tylite. I'll back up a little bit. There you can see. It's a titanium um, Tylite. I have carbon fiber spokes and um, 33 years of picking this chair up and taking it in and out of cars and doing everything I can to preserve my shoulders by like making it as lightweight as possible. But, and I, I do like this chair a lot. It's very uh, tightly configured, very tucked in. What I love about this chair is that like, I think people see me and not, not as much the chair, the chair that I first started off with, you know, it's not as tucked in. I had swing away foot rests and, you know, there were arms on the chair and I just felt like you saw more wheelchair and less of me. That's a pretty good segue into the topic I would like to discuss with you. Is it possible that people who sit in wheelchairs every day, who depend on wheelchairs every day, is it possible for them, does it occur, that they develop a relationship of some sort with their wheelchair? Or is it just another tool? Oh, no, it's 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 more than a tool. Um it is a relationship that develops over time because even though it's a, it's a tool in the very beginning of, of needing a wheelchair, um, it's, it's a, it's a more of a, I wouldn't even say love hate. I would say it's more of a, you know, some disdain for it. So it was hard for me in the beginning to, you know, yes, I knew that without it, I couldn't move, but it didn't make me any happier about using it happier about what it looked like. Um, I remember when they first were, I had to choose my chair and they were telling me about colors and they were all excited about these really bright color options. And I was like, you know, is, is invisible a choice? Because that's what I want. Um, I know I do not want bright pink. I, like people are going to see me coming a mile away. And so, you know, it, over the years though, it, it does become a part of your personal space. So it's almost an extension of your body. So you don't want people necessarily just coming up and touching it. That's a, a very intimate thing to do. You might need to know someone well just for people to start like grabbing or touching on your chair. And it does grow to um, more of a love relationship of, over the years because first of all, as most ATPs know and a lot of uh, manual chair users know your first chair is not going to be configured as tightly because you don't know your center of gravity yet. So as time goes on, they can kind of tuck it in more, tuck your feet in more. You learn about how your clothing choices fit with your chair. I wear boots with heels on them or shoes with a heel on them. So we configure my foot plate to accommodate my shoes. Um, so you, you start to like, really incorporated into your, your being. And it does become more of a, of a love relationship later on. That's interesting. A little emotional. I think the word you used was disdain. Yes. Was it disdain for the situation, for the chair? You know, I mean, I think, you know, 
for me as a 19 year old female, just speaking from my own personal experience, like, you know, I was already not feeling a hundred percent secure with who I was. You know, it's very, you're, there's very much of a, a focus at 19 years old in college on, on being beautiful and perfect. And so the last thing I wanted to contend with, with being, you know, kind of being more emotionally fragile and maybe not as confident as I am now was having to basically what I thought was going to be have everyone stare at me because I was this just, you know, highlighted my imperfection. And yeah, I didn't want it. I didn't want it. And I didn't want to be the center of attention for that reason, for sure. And, you know, going back to LSU in the wheelchair, I had to pull up in front of a bunch of people that were walking to school, park my car, unload my wheelchair in front of everyone get in it and go to class. And it was, and people were staring like period. They were, I also made sure that I had makeup on and a cute outfit and that my hair was done. So if they were going to stare at me, I was going to look cute, but I was well aware that people were staring at the chair and wondering what was wrong. It's interesting. When I see kids who just got their chairs, first time kids, first time they've been mobile. All they know is they used to not be mobile and now they are. And it's awesome to watch. Right. Right. Also, the kids around them gain a very interesting perspective. I think it makes them, the kids around them, much stronger. Kids are easy. Yeah, I guess so. They are. Even when you, even me, like in the grocery store, you know, adults, they don't really know what to say or they say something stupid like, hey, don't speed in that. You're going to get a ticket, which is really annoying, by the way. Um, But kids just have a natural curiosity. Like, why are you in that? And I'll say, well, because my legs don't work and that's how I get around and you know, there, there's a natural cure. And my, my niece who I know, I had, she's my great niece. And I met her when she was two. And the first time she ever met me, she just realized that she could grab the front of my chair and make me go anywhere she wanted in the house. Like there was not even a second, like, Ooh, that's weird. Or like, she's not normal. She was like, she's on wheels and I can make her do what I want, which is cute and adorable. That is cute. Kids are pretty fearless, really. I think. What else can you tell me about helping first-time wheelchair users acclimate or whatever the word might be? Can you shed some light on that process? Yeah, it's um so I remember very well being in that situation. So I think that was the beautiful part about becoming a social worker and being able to help them through that process. I remember thinking that I would prefer to rent my wheelchair and not buy it. I literally said that to my therapist. I was like, "Ah, uh, you know, buying it is drastic, right? Like we, can we rent for a while? And I've had many people tell me that. So I'm very careful to say to, in the beginning of the process, when someone, let's just say sustains a spinal cord injury, it, it appears that the, that it is permanent to introduce the chair and, and to, and to say, cause they don't want it either. And they will say the same thing. So to say, look, you know, you're going to need this now to be mobile to be functional, to be independent. Um, any level of independence you have is going to be because right now, because you're using this wheelchair and we don't know what will happen in the future, six months down the road or a year down the road, but we need to go through this process. We need to get you a lightweight chair and explain that, you know, we, we can't rent one because then we wouldn't be able to purchase it. We can't rent and purchase at the same time. So you're going to get a much better, lighter weight chair. There's a grieving process that goes along with a with a devastating diagnosis like a spinal cord injury and paralysis. And there's a, uh, there's a long period of denial that they're not going to 100% accept that this is permanent. And I don't like to 
to take that hope away from them. So I like to kind of work with them where they are in that moment, which is to say, like, we don't know what's going to happen down the road. Look, you can donate this thing. If you start walking again, we just have to work with what we've got right now. I tell that to therapists all the time too, you know, we'll go into a staffing meeting and they're like, well, they're in denial. And I'm like, yes, they are. And they will be for a while. So let's work with it. Let's work around it. Don't, I mean, don't shove it down their throat within the first month of, of something so devastating. It's too much for the brain to cope with usually that quickly. Have you circled back with those people after they've been in their chair for a while, six months, a year, perhaps when that denial has shifted or lessened? Yeah, a lot of them I'm still in touch with that I um, were, I was their social worker, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone kind of goes through, through that process. I mean, they all now, you know, have much better relationships with their wheelchair, just like I do, you know, and then eventually what was humiliating or, you know, your ego doesn't know how to handle this living in a wheelchair becomes sort of like a badge of honor. And I, I, I mean that like the people that I've spoken with and I myself, you know, eventually once you really come to accept your disability, you get really proud of yourself for sort of being um, a persistent survivor to being someone who continued on and still made the very best out of life and made a beautiful life out of it. And I say that all the time. Like, I think I was a nice person before. I was a sweet girl. I was just really a child. But my disability has given me purpose. My disability has helped me find a career that I'm passionate about. Not every able-bodied person walking around can say the same thing. And um, I also, every single thing that I really set out to accomplish, which was have a fulfilling career, have kids, have a beautiful home and dogs. And I, I mean, I, I've done everything, you know, that I, that I really set out to do. So, um, then you become an advocate, right. And then you, um, you help other people who are not quite as far along in that process. Let's take a quick break and talk with Quantum's Jay Brislin. Jay, what's going on at Quantum these days? We have a lot of things going on. Our biggest launch has been the Edge Street Stretto. I noticed. How's that working out for you? Oh my gosh, it's been uh, it's been really well received. This chair is a Group Three chair that is at least two and a half inches narrower than any of the other Group Three chairs on the on the market. It's still a three hundred pound weight capacity, and it allows for full power functions up to three hundred pounds. Kudos to you guys on the Stretto. Now, tell us about this backup camera. It's a great idea. Where did that come from? Well, that's a that's a great story. Um, you know, one of the things that Scott Muser, our CEO, is really just very passionate about and continues to talk about with everyone within the organization is how we can continue to make somebody's lives, lives better. Provide people with some equipment that's affordable that can really just make their daily, everyday life a little bit better, a little more independent, and just provide the things that I think we all kind of take for granted. Like you said, pretty much every car has a backup camera now. And you know, a, a complex rehab chair is a very expensive piece of equipment. And in order to keep people safe and keep their chair intact and not as many scratches and backing up into things and dents and walls and things like that, we felt the backup camera was a great way to go. Well, I don't think anybody's going to argue about that. It's a great idea. Thanks, Jay. Now let's get back to Karen. Karen, I have a couple questions for you. 
How is the process different between kids getting into their first chair and adults getting into their first chair? From a social worker point of view, you must have seen that a couple times. Yeah. I mean, the people that I know that that were born with they born with their disability versus the people who acquired it. One time I was on a ramp on the side of a building at LSU, this really steep ramp. There was a guy there who had been born with like no legs and one arm. And he pushed his chair all around campus, made it look like nothing. And he opened a door for me and I'm just struggling up the ramp. I'm newly paralyzed. And he's, and I was like, I, I said, I don't get how you do this. And so easily. And he's like, I don't know any different. This for you, this is hard. For me, this is all I know. And I think that is the difference is that like even my children, I w- when they were born, I was paralyzed. So when, when they all started going to school, that was kind of when they realized that not everyone's mom's in a wheelchair. It was totally normal for them, right? They're like, oh, wow. I remember when Caroline was like four, she's my oldest. She said, when I grow up, I'm going to be in a wheelchair too. And I was like, I don't think you that. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. They, they saw nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. I mean, I think kids might deal with some bullying and some things that they eventually realize they're, they're different, but adults are harshly aware that, um, that they just entered a whole new world. And I think it's really scary for them. Kids know from the very beginning that they're going to be okay. The next day, adults don't know how they're going to function. I mean, the potential loss of your independence is horrifying. It's a horrifying prospect. And you've, you're not just learning how to push a wheelchair. I mean, you've got to learn about protocol, probably intermittent catheterization, how to take care of your skin, autonomic dysreflexia. You're like, you're entering a whole new world and it could affect your career, whatever your job was, your house might not be accessible. I mean, your whole world is turned upside down. And if you're dealing it with it from birth, you kind of already have all that stuff figured out. What's a brand ambassador? What do you do as brand ambassador for New Motion? Um, I write a lot of content. So um, I've written lots of blogs. So I write about, I wrote actually like a series about the grieving process, anger, um, denial, like a five-part series on that. I write about dating. I write about sex. I write about just accessible vans. I write about traveling. I write about pretty much anything that has to do with advocacy, health and wellness, um, or kind of like inclusive family activities. So adaptive water skiing, adaptive, anything that I've tried that I, that I get out there and do, I, I try to write about. Um, and then I get involved in um, work, government relations type things. Like when we're trying to explain to a payer or um, like maybe say like a state Medicaid program, what the importance of CRT means. I mean, you know that as well as I do, it's a process of educating payers and legislators about why it's important to have a custom chair, why it's important to have a custom cushion. And then for me, I'm also really involved in um, trying to get coverage for standing technologies. Um, I've benefited from that. I've never had a wound or a fracture or contracture in 33 years of being paralyzed. And I believe that's because of my standing, persisting in standing, and then the functional electrical stem that I do. So, And then I also help lead a employee consumer council. So we have about 11 employees that all have disabilities that work for new motion. And we try to make change, you know, both internally and externally to make sure that all of our branches are accessible. We created um, some documents to educate people on disability etiquette. Yeah. Just any different project we can involve to, to make, we would, 
we'd love for new motion to be like a, a destination employer for people with disabilities. And so trying to, you know, make improvements there. That's really cool and very meaningful. What else can you tell me about the relationship between people and their wheelchairs? Like now I see my wheelchair as beautiful, you know, now I see my wheelchair as, and that's why wheelchair users don't like the term like confined to a wheelchair or wheelchair bound. I mean, we're not glued to it. You know, I don't sleep in it. I don't take a bath in it, but but it, but it is cute. It is. Now I have to say like, and I, I those words, if you told me that in 1987, that I would ever say something like that, like I thought you were crazy, but you know, I have these little um, tattoos, I guess on the front, they're kind of like a floral design that's etched into the like titanium. I'm an LSU fan, shockingly enough. And uh, so I have purple accents on the chair. You know, I have a cute carbon fiber back. I've changed back a couple, backs a couple of different times, but I can, you know, it, 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 it is my mobility. So, um, yeah, so it's it's kind of the evolution of the relationship, I think, is is very interesting. I think the topic is really interesting um, because when when it was when you brought this up, I kind of thought about the evolution of, you know, just how much I hated it and just how much the label of wheelchair user or paraplegic just like was like a dart in my heart every time I heard it. And now I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of who I am and I do think my wheelchair is cute. And, uh, you know, you kind of get excited about like, you know, the next one, although I will say this about a person, a wheelchair user in their wheelchair, getting a new one, although might be exciting, we get very, very comfortable in the chair that we're in. And even if it's newer and better, sometimes giving up the old chair to use the new chair is, is hard. Like some of us will, will not use the new chair. It'll sit there for months before the, the old one is just like falling apart because we've become so comfortable in that old chair. So that's interesting to me too. Yeah. Yeah. I have been to people's houses where the old power chair is over in the corner and it looks like a huge ball of duct tape. (laughs) They're still hanging on to the old chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. We get comfortable. Well, did they ever find the guy that shot you? Yes. Um, so within 48 hours, like the show, they, the, there was a lookout that we didn't know about. And then the one who put the gun to my boyfriend's head and he would have shot if he'd had the opportunity to, but they were struggling for control of the gun. Those two gave the name of the shooter. So they caught up with the shooter and he was charged with two counts of armed robbery, attempted second degree murder, with no probation or parole, which was a 248-year sentence in Angola. So he's still there. How do you feel about all that today? I think he should be there. I mean, he he had a long rap sheet as a 19-year-old when he shot me in the back. I mean, he could have asked me for my purse. Like, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have fought him for my purse. I never even got that opportunity, but he was pretty violent criminal as a kid. And, and I mean, I think he's where he belongs, to be honest. Drugs involved, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they were looking for drug money. I was uh, sober. <laughs> I was, you know, just minding my own business and um, basically trying to keep all the girls off my hot guitar playing boyfriend. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> I just, funny. I had to go. I had to go. It is a crazy. It's still a crazy story to me. Um, Thirty three years later, but Karen, what does the future look like for you, job wise, career wise? Well. I love my job at New Motion. I hope I hope my job continues to involve more advocacy 
type roles. Like I, I'm very involved with the United Spinal Association. I've been on the board for like off and on for 15 years for the Brain and Spinal Cord Injury Association of Louisiana, which is also the Louisiana United Spinal Chapter. Protecting CRT is so important to wheelchair users. And the more my job can involve me, like being on Capitol Hill or talking to state Medicaid programs about protecting CRT, like that's one of my favorite things to do. Hopefully one day when COVID is passed, like I'll get to travel again. I've been to Europe twice, um, but um, I'm 52. So I'd like to see some more of the world. And I'm sure she will. Karen Roy, brand ambassador for New Motion, CRT ambassador for the world, advocate for all the people that can benefit from her experience and her upbeat perspective. This is Talk Rehab. I want to thank Quantum for helping bring this episode to you today. I'm Bill Nolting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.